Many have tried, many have failed, and she's one of them. It's Fitless with Bianca Brady. Welcome to the new year. We're back. 2017 Fitless. I'm Bianca Brady. Full disclosure, I'm recording this in the last breath of 2016 um, because you know how this is the the magic behind the magic. You know, things happen before you hear them. Um, So hopefully you had a good new year if you're listening on the day this came out. If you're listening 25 years in the future, maybe you're just like some sort of a future archivist. Um, and if you are, hello, it's nice to meet you. I'm an older lady. I wonder what I'm doing. But, you know, it's weird. This thing goes on the internet forever, which is hard to sort of fathom. Maybe someday we'll put it on a gold record and send it into space. We can only hope. Um, I'm here uh, with a very excellent guest, a very close friend of mine, and I'm so excited to welcome her. It's Elise Durye Browner. Hello. Hello. Durye and then Browner like more brown, which is how she explained her name to the uh, Bob, to Bob, the instructor where we went today. So it's another yoga app um, because there are so many different kinds. Um, and today, Elise and I went to this yoga called Ashtanga yoga which is very different than any of the other yoga I've ever done. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later. But now we get to know our guest, Elise. What's been your exercise life up until now? Tell me all about it. So, of course, I've been thinking about this a lot over the course of listening to Bianca's podcast. Um, And... I was thinking about this one story from when I was in kindergarten. We had PE class, and one day they brought in all the eighth graders and paired us off with an older person, much older. And then it was some kind of thing where we went around the gym doing different activities. And I think at the beginning or maybe at the end, there was a prize offered. And I won with my eighth grade partner, who was this boy. I remember nothing about him. And the PE teacher brought us over to her office, which was in the back of the gym. And she was like, well, do you guys want some carrot cake? And I was like really creeped out. But the idea of receiving something from someone older, like candy, cake, plus I didn't like carrot cake. But I think, and I think I was also just kind of unnerved by the fact that she liked me and liked the way that I had been exercising that day, which was not with the eye of getting carrot cake, but I think just because I was probably kind of an intense little five-year-old. And I wonder if like actually the older boy partner of mine didn't know how to just have fun and had to go along with my energy. This is what I was thinking recently. (laughs) Like if I was really committed, like how was he supposed to convince me otherwise? Especially like a boy he probably hadn't babysat ever or whatever. Um... So, yeah, I played soccer my 
like entire life, starting I think in kindergarten or first grade and then through college. And that's all I ever really played. That same PE teacher tried to get me to play volleyball and basketball in school. And I did a little bit and cross country, but I didn't really like any of them. I really was bad at volleyball and basketball. Cross country, I was good at, but I never enjoyed it. Um, So I played soccer, like all with the same team, a club team. Uh, I was like very loyal to them. My parents asked if I wanted to switch to a more competitive league. And I said no, which I later regretted because then when I got to high school, I wasn't as good as a lot of the other people my age and I didn't make varsity. And this is my first memory of like an experience of true depression which I think, of course, I was sad at other times when I was younger than that, but I like really, it was like a major experience with failure and not making varsity, which is so funny to talk about, but it's true. It was real and for you. It was really real. And I, yeah, it just was a really dark time. I was, you know, 14 or whatever. And then the next year also, I didn't make varsity initially. And that time I was just pissed because I had like, gone to a better team, was working very hard, and I felt like I was just kind of being pushed by this coach. Because I was definitely the best person on the JV team, like it was pretty boring, and probably now looking back, like it would have been good for me to accept my role as a leader and like further develop that, but I didn't want it, and it's the kind of thing I didn't want, and so eventually that year I made varsity, and then I... Like, I think, I don't know what it was, if, if his rejection of me kicked it into gear or what, but then I just, like, kept playing on more and more competitive teams to the point by which when I was a senior, I was on, like, the top-level team that I could have been on, like, the top regional team, um, club team called the Rockers, <laughs> um, with a couple other people from my high school. We had to drive like several days a week across the Golden Gate Bridge to Marin to practice because like urban California, I grew up in California and California soccer is really intense and urban areas are definitely the worst. Like the best people come from these, you know, old farming regions that have been turned into suburbs, you know, developments. They're like these huge, amazing blonde women um, from towns like Elk Grove and Stockton and stuff. And so, yeah, we would drive to Marin to practice. And then on weekends, both days, my dad or my friends would drive us out deep into California to play games um, Saturday and Sunday. And then for a while, I was playing on both the high school team and the club team, sometimes like practicing twice a day club team was really intense. Um, I was remembering some of the fitness tests that we were made to do, and there's one in particular. Um, Because usually we would do like 25 repetitions of something. We kind of knew that as the maximum number of, of sprints or something. But one day at the end of practice, our coach was just like, okay, you guys are gonna run. I think it was 40 yards. And then your rest is your jog back to the start line, and then you're going to go again. And right, and each time you ran, if you beat the person next to you, you moved either to the right or to the left, like you were supposed to be ascending the ranks of this running exercise. And we hit 25, and then we just kept going. 
And everyone was going like out of their minds. Like and these are really tough people. One woman was screaming and kept pulling on her shorts because she, she was really going crazy. And another woman um, was crying. And I would always pee in my pants when in a, in a wow. lot of these. Uh-huh. And during the drills, during practice. <laughs> only during fitness tests, because then okay. you're just exerting yourself so much. This is like, it's not normal. Like, I was the only one I knew who had this happen. Another friend of mine would always have to shit. Sometimes she had to leave a fitness test in the middle and then return and, like, redo the whole thing. <laughs> oh really God. horrible. Um, I peed in my pants a lot of times. I mean, I can't remember how many. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I'm pretty sure I peed. I also would throw up a lot, like after certain kinds of exercises, um, like shuttles, you know those? No. Suicides. Where you run really <clears throat> fast and then go back and... You run like five yards, come back, 10 yards, come back, 15, mm-hmm. 20, 25, sprinting the whole way. I think we would have to do it in 35 seconds or something, and then we'd have 25 seconds rest and start again. And then sometimes you would give us a gift of extra rest, but we never knew when it was coming. Anyway, but yeah, so in this day, we ended up running 40... 40 yard sprints and just like the psychological thing of not knowing when it would end was really really intense which is obviously why I remember it but yeah so I would be nervous all day before practice just like sick to my stomach because I was definitely one of the worst players on the team also so um yeah I was just always scrambling to catch up and basically like I wasn't that good at soccer I was I could run forever sort of I didn't really get tired and I was pretty tough um intense but not super technically skilled and a lot of the other people were more committed to the game for me I don't like the mystery of why I played so long it's a mystery still a little bit but I'm like um and then college same College, well, actually college was less intense. I mean, I really was dreading it, thinking about quitting every summer. We'd have a fitness regimen, and then we would, yeah, come to school for preseason, practice a lot, do fitness tests, whatever, and then the regular season would start. And that was, college was actually kind of a joke compared to my club team. Um, Our coach was not as good. I mean, of course, we had the facilities were kind of amazing. We were always driving around in these giant buses and the field, the field was really nice. That was cool. Um, But it just wasn't, I was, instead of being the worst, one of the best players probably on the team, but still like I was never the kind of person who scored goals. So I was never a star really. I I got, (laughs) they gave an award. Um, I guess three of the four years I was there, they did these awards because eventually the team kind of harassed the coach out of the school. Mm -hmm. Um, But I got Unsung Hero twice. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like really a defender more than a goal scorer. And I just um, ran a lot and like, you know. Kept up the pace. Uh Uh-huh. And like, oh, and I was scary. I mean, people were afraid of me because I would yell on the field. Nice. It's not that nice, but it's true. I mean, people, yeah. I remember the faces of people who've been scared of me and my (laughs) teammates. Like one just popped into my mind. (laughs) Sorry, Emily. Sorry, Emily. (laughs) But, you know, we had to do it. 
So that's that's like uh, a lot different than a lot of the guests so far. Right. Um, having such a intense team sport affiliation all the way through your whole life. But do you think that that, I mean, obviously like your, the way that you spent your time was doing physical exertion, but it almost seemed like it, it didn't really register for you as exercise on the level of I'm working out. It was more like I'm playing soccer and it's, kind of a mental and emotional part of my life as well as physical obviously but it was what do you think like being on a team for your whole life did for you if anything yeah it was always I mean the team that I was on when I was younger in middle school was a lot of my friends from my my school and then you know other people who became my friends um so that was kind of different because I knew those people, you know, in school on a daily basis anyway. And then later I was on this team called the Vikings for two years. And that was not a premier team, but a select team or something. Um, and that was interesting team wise because it was like more of a mixed, like I went to the, a private school in San Francisco. So this was people of way more mixed backgrounds. And that was interesting because they were kind of bad in a way that a lot of my classmates weren't. And so that was cool. Like I still, of course, remember some of those really wild people. Like I don't know where they are, but that was, um, yeah, that was nice to experience that and meet different people. That team, like the coach was just really grateful if you showed up. I was late. I would, instead of taking the bus straight from school to practice, I would go home first and make myself like an Eggo waffle with Nutella and whipped cream on it and then slowly make my way to practice. I would be 45 minutes late or something and he'd just be really grateful that I showed up at all. <laughs> so then when I went on this other team, um, it was not like that. I don't know. The team thing was always kind of alienating. And then um, like definitely... you didn't feel like you were a member of the team I mean, I, I did and I didn't. I, it wasn't supernatural for me. And I was always one of the weirder people, I think. I mean, I, I was like the kind of person in high school who, when I told, and it still happens all the time, when I tell people that I played soccer this competitively, it's a surprise to people because it's not what you would think, I guess, when you talk to me or look at me or whatever. Um, so yeah, I, but I always, they found a way to, we all would always find a way to incorporate each other more or less. I mean, sometimes there would be someone people rejected for whatever sure. reason but it wasn't me but I never like they could never give me a nickname everyone else would have nicknames <laughs> I never could get a nickname and um and by college I was pretty like burnt out on the team thing in a way the team part was not what made me do it yeah I, I don't was just think. gonna ask what yeah. kept you coming back year after year I mean I've thought at different times like an inability to make decisions like to quit I couldn't quit but also I think I really like when you're in the game when you're really playing you're in it's one of those I think they call them flow activities or something and and um so you're just not I mean you're not thinking about anything you're totally immersed in the game and I think I was maybe good at 
that kind of immersion, which is why I was intense and scary because I would just be, I couldn't really understand why anyone would play if they didn't want to have that kind of experience. And of course, I also knew that some people liked to play because they were really good and they could score goals in front of their friends who were watching. And those are the people who end up actually, I think, being stars. And like the people who really want to score a goal, they're the ones who at every level get picked off and, and ascend the ranks. So I think on like the U.S. women's team, probably they were all forwards at one point when they were younger. And then, and then they became defenders as they aged or something. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Those flow activities. Mm -hmm. They're hard to find. Harder mm -hmm. to find now, maybe in a post-soccer life or right. for somebody like me who never played soccer. I don't know. I, I feel like when I find myself slipping into that and how would you how would you define that for people the, where you're you're your body is moving sort of and you're not thinking about what you're doing and you're just sort of in this blank right. mental space where you're just on autopilot. Yeah, now, just now I started reading this book about the hemispheres of the brain and so I th I'm thinking based on that that it's kind of activating a hemisphere that is has been more suppressed in the last couple thousand years or something like that um but yeah it happens also when playing music sometimes and I imagine I mean I always hated musicians actually my whole life but I think they probably knew this and that's why they liked it and I just didn't get it um now I play music sometimes it happens for me sometimes when I'm waitressing exactly that was my next thought and that's been kind of like the one thing that's kept me in that job is the feeling of sort of serenity that comes after having been sort of cognitively unaware during a stressful time. It's like, it's very peaceful at the end of it. Maybe not so much during it. But you're also, I mean, during it, when... Yeah, when you're a good waitress, which we are, we've been waitresses <laughs> for so long and probably we're in it because we can do it, which I think not everyone can, but... We're forwards of the waitressing uh -huh. world, I think. But we're, we're the U.S. Olympic waitresses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's kind of amazing. You know, you can remember a series of six tasks and de-escalating uh, importance and you know, do them. And then sometimes a new task will enter that is more important than another. And you just constantly you know, reprioritizing and changing up your physical location based on new information that's constantly being fed to you right. by a series of entitled wackos who just want to eat lunch. Uh -huh. This is very, we could do like a whole waitressing uh, episode, I think. Definitely. Could hear from all the waitresses across America uh -huh. um, and waiters, I guess, although I've never met one. Just kidding. I have. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question is once soccer stopped being a part of your life, so you graduated college and that, right. that's when you stopped because you stopped. I stopped. And then what happened 
to all the energy that you were using to power your soccer body? Well, so people, you know, they always would say things like, oh, you know, when you exercise, you feel better. But I thought about that all the time because there would, there would be an off season when like, you know, I was supposed to stay in shape and I would more or less, you know, go running a couple times a week with my teammates or something like that. But I really never noticed feeling that much worse when I wasn't exercising. So that's one thing. I played one summer on a team in New York with a friend, a couple of friends, um, and I really couldn't handle it because it was a commitment and I was so burnt out on the amount of commitment that had been required of me to play that sport that I, on the one hand, I, I just couldn't ever really care. Like I would pretend after games to be upset when we lost. I, I didn't care about losing. I mean, I cared if I felt like the team didn't have the strength to work together or like push ourselves or whatever. Or if I personally messed up, I would be upset sort of probably more immediately. Like I would mutter to myself and stuff like that, <laughs> especially at practices, which are way more anxious than the games. Um, but yeah, I basically stopped altogether. I played a couple times with at the first restaurant I worked at. I went and played once with, which was fun, of course. Um, with some of my coworkers, but yeah, I really just stopped doing anything active except biking, which is, yeah. So you bike everywhere pretty much. Yeah. And that, yep. And do you think that that's been like your post-soccer exercise, would you say, or do you just see it as transportation? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the question. It's, I mean, I know, like, when I think about health and what's good for you, I know, you know, you're supposed to get your heart rate raised up a couple times a week and that it's good to do X amount of exercise. And so I think, well, if I bike to work three times a week, it's a 20-minute bike ride each way. I go over either the Manhattan or the Williamsburg Bridge. And, that, and I really push myself. I don't know how, because of this long history of exercise, I don't know how to bike slowly. If I bike with a friend over the bridge, I realize, okay, it can actually be easy, completely painless to go over the bridge. But I am in pain every time I go over because I just am biking as fast as I can. That's so interesting <laughs> to me because I think through the course of my doing this podcast and trying all different exercises, and I've mentioned it a little bit, but from never having done sports as a kid or really being active like that or competitive at all, it's taken me a long time to to learn even how to push yourself. Like mm -hmm. that to me is so foreign and still is hard, um, but it's getting more apparent. So like to have the opposite where you don't know how to just chill and like do like a lackadaisical bike ride across the bridge. <laughs> I think that's really funny. Like, I um, think about the podcast all the time when I'm biking now because I'm. It's my moment of exercising. It's so that I think about all the things people have said and you've said. And like the other day, I was biking, and if I smoke weed, I feel much more sore, and it's hard. I really enjoy biking, Stone. Like I'm so happy, and I. I just enjoy the city. I enjoy the whole thing, but it's, I am more sore. And 
So I was biking over the Williamsburg Bridge and I was like, oh, I could slow down. And I was like, but you know, if I just try a little harder and every time you just try a little more, then you get stronger, which I guess is something I know. But then since I was stoned, I thought it. And then I was thinking about the podcast. And Yeah, it's, um, it's a it's a different thing to know it from just muscle memory of doing it your whole life. And then when you sort of realize it right. intellectually, all of a sudden you're like, oh, OK, that that I guess that makes sense. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then there's, like, the whole question of aggression, too, which I think is really interesting. Right. Um, especially, I think, as women, mm-hmm. it's hard to find avenues to express any kind of rage or anger. And I think a lot of women use fitness or exercise as a way of getting that out of their systems. And maybe the bridge biking is a part of that. Right. (laughs) I mean, I definitely, yeah, have um, a lot of thoughts about the men who I'm biking alongside. Yeah, And I've talked to Bianca about them before. And be like, this guy passed me on the bridge and then I fucking passed him No, no, no. That's not exactly, what I would say is that First, the guy pulled ahead of me at an intersection that I arrived at first because he assumes he'll be faster than me, which happens all the time. And there have been comics about it. This is like standard fare for feminism, (laughs) whatever. Then sometimes, yes, often I pass him again because I'm not the fastest biker on the bridge. There are definitely people who are faster and who have nicer bikes. (laughs) 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 But, um, But I'm among the faster people for sure to the point where I have men sometimes like stalking me over the bridge quote unquote you know using the arrow of me um and I've yelled at a lot of them about that that's another thing that happens so what would you say if though if somebody was like okay Elise I know oh my new friend Elise loves to bike Elise come meet me in Prospect Park uh, on Saturday, and we'll do the loop like nine times in the spandex neon outfit. Are you interested in ever doing anything like that? What about clipping your shoes into the pedals? <laughs> I have a pretty shitty bike, and I, I think I must be attached to that, like not having a nice one. First of all, I've never had a bike stolen, but also, yeah, there's some resistance to the that whole thing. But I mean, if someone wanted to go on a bike ride upstate or something with me, I I think I would do that. I mean, that sounds nice. Yeah. But no one's ever asked me. Oh my God. Well, we'll have to do it sometime. Yeah. You have a bike, right? I do. But maybe we can rent like fancy road bikes or something. Yeah. And get fitted for those crazy shoes. But anyway, so you don't do yoga. And we went today mm-hmm. to... Um, what was it called? Church Ave Yoga and Body Work. Exactly. And this yoga is Ashtanga, and a friend of Elise's does it and knows about this place. So that's how we found out about it. Um, so why do you want to do this for the podcast? I, I mean, I did too, but. Yeah, I mean, it's. I grew up in San Francisco. Uh-huh. So as like 
maybe a contrarian, you could say, or something. I had some really serious resistance to yoga and all things spiritual and new age and everything growing up. Really strong. Um, just any kind of activity that was oriented inward and about the self, I really resisted, which I think is why I was a defender on the soccer team, you know? Like, it's really kind of gross to think about this sort of martyr thing, which was really my inclination when I was younger. Um, so, yeah, I never, I mean, I, the only other time I've ever done yoga, and of course everyone I know has done it more times than they can count, was after a friend of mine died, a couple of friends, and I went and did it. I mean, so a totally exceptional circumstance and um but it's become really obvious that cutting out that whole realm of possibility in my life is not good for me and my body is definitely feeling like off balance lately waitressing I think it's hard on my knees which are messed up from soccer for sure and just yeah, wanting some, I mean, inner peace. Yeah, sure, I've been, like, really angry lately. I mean, all kinds of things. Like, I need some sort of more healing inward thing in my life. Yeah. I'm really glad we did this before the new year. I think that's good. Yeah, it starts um, things off on a different footing. Mm -hmm. So Ashtanga yoga is different in from all the other yogas that I've ever done um, in a couple of pretty key ways. Number one, I could not understand the website because it's like class starts at 6.30 and goes until 11, but you can't get there later than 10. So basically, it's a kind of an open call which is different than, you know, this class at 9, this class at 11, this class at 1, whatever. So you can go at any time, and the instructor is there, and he, it's an individual thing. So since Elise and I showed up together and we're friends, he taught us a series of a few different postures and, you know, forms where, like, you go from one thing to another, kind of the yoga you'd recognize, um, like a sun salutation or something like a, a sequence is the word I'm looking for. And then um, after you learn that, you'll come back and basically do it on your own. And he'll just be there to, you know, tell you, oh, put your leg more over here or do this. And it's more focused on breath and it's not so much it doesn't seem to be as much of like a fitness oriented practice more like a practice oriented practice where you can it becomes individualized to your own uh practice and your own like journey through learning it like a new skill rather than just something that you drop into to get you know, a toned butt, and then you go off and do whatever. And so describe how you felt. What what was it like for you? Did you like it? Yeah. Well, did I, you know, actually it was uncomfortable physically a lot of the time, which 
doesn't mean I didn't like it, but it's not like it was some instant pleasure because I think it is, it was funny. I was there and I'm thinking about myself like, well, I'm an athlete, you know, but, but all of that capacity that I think that I still retain sort of in my muscles and everything. I mean, it's basically useless there. There are a few places where I felt like, you know, when strength is required, like I, I think I have strength still that I can use, but a lot of other stuff, balance and flexibility, I've never, never paid any attention to. In college, actually, the physical therapist wanted me to come in for extra stretching of my hamstrings, and I just couldn't justify putting any more time into the sport, so I never went, and I just didn't want to be around them because they were just, I don't know, they were (laughs) Not weird. They're very normal people. I like, <laughs> couldn't handle it. Couldn't um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm. My balance is not great. I'm really not flexible. I felt like, kind of, I felt like a dwarf or something. I was like, my arm is all crooked, and I shouldn't say dwarf. I don't know. I felt. I don't mean a human felt one. I mean crunched. Maybe. Yeah, crunched. Exactly. Like, but I mean like a creature. I felt like some kind of non-human creature. Um, like crunched up so far away from your human form and reality yeah. that you're, and then you're faced with it and you're like, Oh, my body could work mm-hmm. like Bob's, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> kind of <laughs> amazing. Um, there's a part in yoga where you are sort of in downward facing dog people are familiar with and then you look forward and then you hop your feet in between your hands and you know in a lot of yoga classes I've been to it's there's been like a thud when that happens Bob like I don't I can't even describe it he like so lightly sort of balanced himself onto his hands and then swung through and just gently hit the floor as if he was made of like a pillow. Like a I see, I never pillow. looked, but I just didn't hear anything, yeah, which I guess is why. I was peeking a lot. Uh-huh. But he, I mean, yeah, I was like, and it was kind of cool to have such individualized attention. And then I wondered if I was wondering if all the other people in the room were kind of upset, like resentful because like, oh, no, <laughs> they got no their, attention I'm and ruining their yoga. And it's so just knowing that my friends, um, you know, she knows Bob, she talks to him. I imagine that all of them do. And so they're probably used to some kind of interaction with him in, in their practice, even though it is obviously really independent too. And I'm sure they get a lot out of just the pure independence. I mean, that's what I was telling myself to say that they were okay. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Um, well, you're really good at touching your toes and grabbing your big toe. I know. I could do that. Definitely. I could get two fingers around the bottom of my big toe. I can't do that. But I cannot. The bending over where, you know, some people can wrap their arms around the bottoms of their legs and their body is touching. I mean, I'm so far from that. Yeah, me too. So it's definitely the the kind of thing, I guess, Ashtanga is where you, again, commit to it more 
intellectually maybe or more spiritually and it becomes a self-directed meditative and integrates with your life in like a really maybe more profound way than other exercises would which I think you could get to from a more like western fitness centered yoga practice you could get to that point because I think it's kind of innate in yoga and if breathing is um kind of the most important part and they hammer it home like you you'd eventually get to that point but this is this seems I mean on the menu of the studio there's massage and there's also tarot readings and the that there are no classes on the full moon or on the new moon. So it's it's definitely more of like a really sink it into your life kind of yoga practice. Right. And you can't just kind of slack off in the back of the room. Right. And he told us at the end to, I forget what the position is called, where you're just lying on the mat. Shavasana. Shavasana. So he said do it for five minutes, which neither of us got anywhere close to five <laughs> minutes. I mean, basically what happened, it was funny because I, now I can't even remember what I thought of. I thought of something funny, like imagining something I could say on the podcast. And I got a little smile on my face. And at that moment, Bianca kind of started to get up. Like we both <laughs> kind of maxed yeah. out our meditative time, probably at two minutes at most. And and then that feeling of kind of, of guilt that's produced, which I always resisted really in those spaces, just feeling annoyed, like how dare you impose your practice on me, you know, but... But probably it would have been nice to lie there for five minutes and we just couldn't yeah, but make he, ourselves. Yeah, but I did feel like he gave us a little bit of an out. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if he meant to, but he said, you know, lie in Shavasana for about five minutes and when you're done, you're done. Mm -hmm. And so right. I was like, well, I'm done. So I guess I'm done. Yeah. And I, I tried not to judge myself because I too was like, oh no, like how are Elise and I going to know when we should both get up? <laughs> Plus we were excited about breakfast, I guess. Yeah, and I was getting hungry. and You know, the, the rest of my life started creeping in to uh -huh. that shavasana. Yeah. But then he looked at me and he was like, so we'll see you tomorrow? And I said, sure, why not? You know, like I was... Because we paid for... A it's week. a $30 fee, which is an unlimited first week of classes. Yeah. Which is cheaper. I mean, if you made full use of it, it would be cheaper than the regular 220 for a month of unlimited or something. I thought it was 160 or oh, something. Oh, maybe maybe two yeah, maybe that's from a different place. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I liked it. I think it would be I'm I might try and go back tomorrow or at least one other time this mm -hmm. week because I paid for it and kind of it's not far from my house it might be nice to to try and actually learn some yoga by heart yeah and then you could kind of do it in your own house if you wanted or yeah that's what's interesting about it that because I mean of course I understand the idea of having a space that's separate but it seems like the idea is that you could become independent but mm -hmm. then I wonder I won't, I always wonder if that's the aim of places because they also, they want to keep you. Right. 
But I loved the vibe. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if if I was a little bit younger and if Bob was maybe like a little bit more or less of something intangible in either direction, I would have been extremely resistant to uh-huh. the whole experience because that type of a one-on-one being right. told what to do and how right. to do it has taken me a long time to feel comfortable with that. It's like, I, I mean, for so many years, I was like, how dare you Yeah, even? Because I was just terrified, I think. Terrified of putting myself out there, being vulnerable in front of somebody I don't know. Yeah. It's taken me a really long time to get there. And Bob, just a note about Bob, he wears a kind of robe thing. When he, when we first saw him, he's got a long beard, bald head, and a robe on, but then he takes it off, and then he's just in these little tiny shorts. Gym shorts, yeah. <laughs> so um, he's, I thought, much more approachable in the shorts than uh-huh. in the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that's when he approached us too. He kind of he's always sitting when he's in the robe or something. Yeah. Oh, and then the buzzer. Well, that made it sense immediately when we got in. Why? <laughs> the buzzer. I buzzed it, and then the door buzzed, but it was too fast for me to open. It was really fast. So we had to buzz again, further ruining those other women's <laughs> yoga. Well, but practice. of course, what we didn't know is it says there's a reception desk online right but there's no receptionist it's just bob in there so so bob i don't know where he buzzes from it seems like in the studio not at the desk yeah but so there's only one person working there um and it rings right into the room itself so it makes sense that the buzz is very short and quick yeah people are supposed to learn to yeah but yeah so what do you think are you gonna are you gonna do yoga now, Ashtanga? I mean, I, I, I mean, I can't, I'm gonna go back to this place for sure. I can't keep going there forever because it's really far from my house, and there is one that's closer. I wonder if I'll like it as much because it seems. I think it may be the people who brought Ashtanga to New York for the first time or something like that. They seem very storied in the yoga world, but it is kind of. It's definitely much less humble of a space. Mm-hmm. The web page, did you see that graph or the um, flash yeah. thing? There's a, the homepage of the other place has, I think, the male founder doing various, you know, a little tiny video of him doing the positions and it. Yeah. Um, kind of. Probably 40 different images yeah. of him. So it's very um, graphic. <laughs> I mean, not sexually, but like design, designy, which is weird. I don't know, but I'll try it and see. I mean, yoga—it's got to be good for me. Sure. I think it. I think I need it. Yeah. I'll admit it. If you like it, you like it. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you don't. But I think as a counterpoint to your first phase of fitness, which uh-huh. is like collective and. Like you said, Unsung Hero Award, the martyr thing, Defender, this to become more focused on yourself, but also maintain a practice of being physical mm-hmm. and learning to do it differently might be might be great. Yeah, no, I think it's more than 
more than more great. than might be. I mean, I think it's if I don't do it, I will regret it, which I'm saying about all kinds of things right now. If I don't do it, I'll regret it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably not doing it out of fear, and I don't want to um, have any more fear in my life than I already yeah. have had. Um, cool. All right. Well, do you want to play the new game? Let's play it. It's mm-hmm. Exercise Roses and Thorns. Right. A great sports moment and a terrible sports moment or a great physical moment mm-hmm. and a terrible physical moment. Yeah. So I thought about this when I heard the last <laughs> podcast. I wondered, will this be my game or will it be a different <laughs> game? But um, yeah, it's like, just like your said, it's way easier to think of a lot of bad moments. Um, like, I mean, all of the times that I peed in my pants and in the middle of <laughs> San Francisco while working out alone at a stadium and had to like pack away my peed on clothes in a bag and shove it into my other bag and then take the bus home, <laughs> that kind of stuff. That sounds terrible. Pretty. I mean, it's kind of funny too, but, um, or like coming home really late from practice and there was this one time at the end of junior year of high school, we had a really good season. That must've been the year that my high school team won the championship. So it was like being on a really good team is a totally different thing from being on a decent team, which is what I was usually on, a winning team. I mean, it it really is amazing. There's this whole other feeling. And so I was on a winning team in high school twice, I guess. And the second time around, I was more um, present or something. And so it felt more substantial. And that, yeah, that's pretty cool. Did anyone ever like lift you up on their shoulders and... Me? Yeah. (laughs) Did you lift someone? Lift. Um, that's a good question. Did you ever rip your shirt off after that? <laughs> like Brandy Chastain. Brandy Chastain. Sorry. Um, I got a t-shirt signed by her. I, I mean, the problem was that it, the sport was, what it was about was pretty diffuse for me. So I don't know. Roses. Um... <laughs> Another thorn <laughs> was when I, it was senior year. I was really burned out in college and we were playing Coast Guard Academy and it was pouring rain and our coach just didn't want us to leave because they want you to play the game, I guess, because it costs the school money to drive you there and whatever. It's just you want to play the game. But I just wanted to go home and we were just sitting in the locker room waiting for the rainstorm to stop. And I was just going crazy. Like, I don't care about soccer. I want this to be over. I hate the sport. I hate everyone on the team. Like, I don't care. I'm an intellectual or something <laughs> like this. Is, uh, and then we played and didn't get home until after midnight. And I was just pissed. Like, I'm done with this thing. Um, soccer. But when I decided while biking that I wasn't going to get angry anymore and I was going to enjoy it, which was inspired by a lot of the delivery guys at our work who really, they do the job because they like to bike around all day, not because they're making tons of money, which they're not, and they hang out with their friends, and the reason they do it is to be out in the city on their bikes, and so I kind of decided that I would start trying to enjoy biking, and so now I do often 
That's good. Enjoy it. I think that's, that's a great rose. Yeah. Yeah. So there's my rose. No yeah. soccer roses. <laughs> um, a biking rose. So, you know, next time you decide to take the subway to work instead, maybe take your bike. I've never done it because I'm a little scared to um, ride into Manhattan. Isn't that weird? I've never done that. Well, the bridge is not pleasant. I hate the bridge. <laughs> this is what my... <laughs> it's like I never never liked running, but I had to do so much of it. Yeah. And this... Can I say one last thing Please. that I think about all the time listening to this podcast? It's that the whole idea of exercise, I think it's difficult because it's not built into your daily life. Soccer, like you're playing a game, but then all of the workouts to be in shape to play it. I hate it. I would try if I could to run from my house to another friend's house in San Francisco or something so that my run could have a purpose and a place where I was going, which I think is why the biking is the only thing that I've been able to do because it has purpose. Um, so yeah, that's what I think about exercise. Just the very idea of it is pretty, it's a problem. Like it's, it's painful to justify it requires some warping of your worldview or changing of your worldview or something. Yeah. You can't um, you can't just add it to your life without either like you said biking from place to place or running from place to place. You can't yoga from place to place. Right. Or like yoga your house cleaned up or yoga your dishes washed or something. I mean, I can't imagine just committing to a gym and going I cannot imagine it me neither honestly <laughs> but people do it and they must be insane that's what I think well I had to I mean I've said it so many times as a joke but it's true I had to like make exercise a creative outlet yeah. via a podcast in order to even commit to doing it once a week so I totally know what you mean it's a solution though um but yeah Thank you, Elise. Thank you. For being on the show. For helping me enter my yoga life. Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't know when I would have done it. I've been saying for a year, I think. Well, we'll have to follow up. We'll see what what happens with yeah. that. Um, happy New Year, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thanks, as always, Bill Wadman. He's the absolute best. And, um... I'm wishing every, thanks for listening so far in 2016. There's been all this talk about how it was a terrible year, but you know what? I did start a podcast in it. <laughs> I did also get hit by a car, but you know what? <laughs> Roses and thorns. What are you going to do? Um, and I hope everybody has a beautiful new year and I love you. Bye-bye. I love you. Bye-bye. <laughs>